This is CliffCentral.com. Welcome to the Renegade Report. I'm Jonathan. And, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm here. You're present. Yeah, good to see Jonathan. We, like, oh, we, we're we looking a, at the camera now. Right. Hi, we're, camera. We had a massive argument before this. Was, was it really a massive perfection, argument? Perfection versus just putting stuff out there. Mm, indeed. And I think people lose a lot of focus when they seek perfection. Is that is that what you think? Rather than just doing the work, even crappy at the beginning. All right, well. Uh, yeah, I suppose. Perhaps I come from a field where we do the work properly to start off with. After how many years of study, Jonathan? Many, many, many. There we go. And what is that called? So, Evolution. So, <laughs> uh, you have us on one camera if you're watching on YouTube. We're, we're uh, starting to put stuff onto YouTube. Um, some of you have requested that. For some reason, you want to listen to the auditory side of things and watch us talk, which is kind of weird. But anyway, all right. Um, Your wish is our command, as they say. Yeah, today we don't have anyone in studio, so uh, I've been dying of the plague. Uh, Ramon seems very healthy and well. Could I do CrossFit? Yeah, that's the reason. And uh, you're not a vegan? Not, no. no. (laughs) Not even close. No, not even close. Uh, I think veganism kills more bacteria and insects than like normal farming does, if I'm not mistaken. I read that the other day. It must be true. Well, there's those little... um, Bugs that live on uh, lettuce that you can't get rid of. You see, and I hate lettuce. And, so and call me an well, eco- they live on a lot of vegetables. I, and mean, I don't eat vegetables. So there you go. I'm an eco warrior. Checkmate vegans. <laughs> Saving the earth one cow at a time. And reducing climate change, you know, by killing cows. Because that's also a big thing. And we've got 12 and a half years to save the world before it all goes to shit again. Yes, 12 and a half years. So actually, you should mark this podcast because. In 12 and a half years' time, what they'll do is they'll say there's another 12 and a half years until the world ends yeah. because they were wrong again with their modeling. Because here's the thing. I mean, I think climate change exists. I think it has been going on for millions of years. Of course. I think humans are partially responsible for the latest batch. But all their predictions have just been like, catastrophically wrong. Mm. There no, will be no more ice shelf in the Arctic or Antarctic, whatever. This is what happens when you mix politics into science. But now there's more than ever. There's, there's more polar bears. There's more rainforests. There's, I don't know. There's less hurricanes. There's everything objectively. I think, is wrong. I, I think they, they, you know, recently one of the climate scientists who's part of the international uh, panel on climate change, which is the UN body. He's one of the lead sort of guys. Uh, he made it quite clear what they're really angling for. He's a, He's a identified socialist. He, he believes in socialism, communism, uh, the principles of Marx. And he turned around and said, if we really want to stop climate change, what we really need to do is stop capitalism. And I, I think now at least we're getting down to some brass tacks honesty. Are they finally being honest, Jonathan? Yeah, I think that's, I, I think, I think there is science, obviously, but then what people do is they co-opt their politics on top of the science and then they interpret whichever way it suits them. Yeah, but ironically, capitalism is the best way to solve this because yeah, richer well, people, true. richer people care about the environment more. Well, the the reason the rainforests, for example, have started growing again, uh, that we've got actually, um, so we don't have reforestation, but we also don't have deforestation. We've got euforestation, uh, as far as I understand, if I'm, if I'm correct on the terminology, which is we neither kill off more trees or grow more trees. We're kind of at a at a complete. Um, Zero-sum game, essentially, right. on trees. Uh, and that's very different to where we were in the 70s, 80s, and early 90s, where we were deforesting most of the world. And the reason that's happened is actually be- largely because of capitalism and largely because, well, there's capitalism on the one side, and there is activism to do with that as well, mm-hmm. making people more aware. But as you say, as people become more wealthy, as people become uh, able to deal with things that aren't basics, like feeding yourself, clothing yourself. Of course. Um, they're able to worry about, oh crap, you know, uh, this, uh, this hamburger I'm eating might have caused a tree to be knocked down somewhere th- 3,000 miles away. No, but even in, in what terms of what you buy, you're happy to buy like the melanin furniture instead mm. of having to sit on a, a 
whatever, a plastic box yeah. at home. Like you're able to buy stuff that was made that wasn't uh, eco, whatever, damaging or whatever the case might be. But yes, once you, once you, you know, relatively rich enough to own your property and things like that, you generally tend to look after it and, mm. and are far more, far less rather wasteful. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, capitalism is the answer, not the, um, cause I mean, I, cause let's know. I mean, the USSR, they killed. 20, 30 million people, but geez, they were really green while doing it. Because <laughs> what, they, they killed them with what? Bamboo sticks? No, they used bullets and they used industry and they went to the moon. They built rockets. Soviet Union is not the paragon of like health yeah, and safety well, and I mean, environmentalism. I mean, I think, I think North Korea doesn't, uh, you know, North Korea probably is quite good in terms of being green. Uh, they don't produce much waste because they don't have anything. Um, you know, there's no polystyrene boxes from their 50 inch plasma televisions because, well, they don't have those. Uh, so yeah, they're very green and very unhappy. Uh, I, I, I've always said as I've, we've made the point on previous shows and we've discussed climate. I don't really care, um, about, the the argument around climate change and whether uh, we should have more factories or less factories or I rather say well this is how Earth is at the moment this is what has led to the most prosperity we've ever seen amongst humanity and we'd like to keep that prosperity but we'd also like to not destroy the planet yeah. so let's find solutions where we can try and have both and humans actually are very good at finding solutions um, to fix problems that's that's no, well, I mean, what we've shown over, over a period like of time Elon Musk wants to colonize other planets because he thinks we won't we will outlive this one or mm. not grow this one mm. uh jason Werbeloff, our friend who yes was, wants know, to destroy earth wants sooner to destroy it more rapidly so we are forced to colonize other planets and have new ways of governance and knowledge mm. to be gained from doing so um but yeah i don't see the earth going anywhere i think the un is a well, crock of shit if i'm really honest <laughs> And, uh, as Alex Epstein said on this podcast a few months ago, the, the, the value that, uh, being wealthy, you know, that it gives to people mm. is far greater than this existential risk of climate catastrophe. Mm. So reducing capitalism or reducing growth through capitalism is, is, is probably worse than, than, uh, the climate catastrophe that might or might not happen. Mm. Risks are much greater. Well, that, by the, reducing the, the, the other point is, is, is really about the hysteria. And now the media is, is, is almost expert in, in hysteria, but, but climate change is, is one of them. You know, we weren't calling it climate change 10 years ago. We were calling it global warming. And, yeah. and one of the reasons why we don't use that terminology anymore, if you go just with the scientific explanation was they realized that some places were warm and some places were cool. Therefore, the, the global warming doesn't fully describe it. But when they were being hysterical in the early 2000s, global warming was what we all had to worry about. The Seychelles, I think, should have been underwater by now. Well, the Maldives, um, and the Maldives and well, all those island, island uh, countries. Um, the, the the biggest problem is you're never really going to convince people with hysteria, especially if you make predictions and they don't come true because people have memories. Um, yeah. And now we have the Internet. So even if you don't have a memory, you can go look back. Uh, Ava Vechter wrote a great column, I think, part last week or the week before. Um, talking about all of these, uh, all of these, um, sort of predictions that have never come true and the kind of damage that that does to, <laughs> to any kind of messaging. Yeah, absolutely. And, and it's, it's very similar to, it's just to segue into another topic. It's very similar to what they said about Trump when he got elected, you know, the, the economy will crash and there'll be World War three mm. and now the concentration new camps for gay people. Yeah, and now the new Brazilian president is coming in, mm. Bolsonaro. Mm. Um, very interesting guy. Um, I, I watched a, a propaganda video that someone put together. <laughs> it's a fantastic propaganda video. And the guy, all he does is like shoot guns, tells everyone that black or white, we're all equal. No one deserves special attention or, uh, illegal privilege and not to, uh, teach homosexuality in schools, something to that effect. Mm. Uh, so I watched the interview with him. Mm. Um, is this part of the video you say? So, so this is trying to make him look good. No, the video, I don't know if they're trying to make him look good or not. <laughs> he, there's, he's, he's on there calling someone faggot and like it's a bit, yeah, but crude. Um, but he was in, in an interview with uh, dozens of journalists and, and they kept asking questions like, well, you know, what do you mean by minorities? Like, well, 
there are no minorities here. If, what's the difference between myself and a black Brazilian? Nothing. We're both humans under the Constitution of Brazil. No mm. one deserves special protection. Why do black Brazilians deserve more protection than the poor whites in the northern part of Brazil, etc., etc.? Mm. And those are all like sound points. I mean, he's once again his demeanor and his character is like bombastic, yeah. and he's quite animated when he speaks. But it was. To my mind, like quite refreshing to hear someone just say, no, I mean, equality before law is important and I'm not going to let anyone use affirmative action to have more rights than others. It just doesn't work that way. And that's a bit refreshing to hear. Yeah, I, th- I think the freak out about him is he's been around for a long time. I think about 20 years or something like yeah. that. In, he was in a military the, general. In the, in the public sphere. And yeah, and um, he's, he's, he's made comments. So just to steel man the argument against this guy. He's made comments in the past about um, fascist dictators who he has admired. Um, the Brazilians, um, yeah. yeah. Uh, he's made comments about uh, gay people and, um, you know, negative. Certainly, if you made a comment like that in South Africa, you'd be in front of the Human Rights Commission yeah. and stuff like, like that. To um, certain certain words like that. that he uses to describe gay people. Um uh, he, he look. He clearly doesn't like gay people. I mean, sure. it's, it's or he doesn't like um, uh, homosexuality. Um, so th- that that is true. He's done all of those things. Uh, someone got upset with me recently on Twitter because they said, you know, I, I a few weeks back before he had won the election, when he 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 won to have the runoff, I had said, look, I, you know, I think this is probably a good thing, given where Brazil is currently in in that. Brazil has suffered decades of very far left. When, when Latin America does ideology, they go all out. They like do. they, they don't mess around. So when they go left, they go hard left. Yeah. Um, and you know, hard right. And, and hard right. Like you had Pinochet, yeah, Chavez. Throwing like, people like, out of helicopters yeah. and, you know, they're not, they're not fucking around. And, um, in a way, this, this kind of is what Brazil needs because they've gone so far left. And it's also what's inevitably going to happen when you go so far left, eventually, um, given the opportunity, like democratic elections, people will swing and they'll swing back because even the poor people will go, this whole thing has just made everyone poorer. Now we're all poor. Um, and but, uh, I don't think it's even that simple. So let's just go back. So the workers, Socialist Party, I think. Lula's Party. Yes. Vavi's great hero. He's in prison now, by the way, for corruption. <laughs> uh, just like Jacob Zuma is not. Um, he came into power in 2003. Massive economic growth. Uh, lots of state funding. Only to find out that all that was borrowed money, essentially. And that now the state is bankrupt. And to get those loans, he did a lot of dodgy corrupt shit. Jeez, Jonathan, it sounds like another country, but I just can't... Yeah. It actually almost sounds like a group of countries that have formed a coalition um, with like a stupid uh, acronym <laughs> called BRICS. Um, but but no, I, it sounds exactly like the same here. <laughs> Praveen fucking borrowed 2.7 trillion rand and used it to pay civil servants wages and give increases and to put funnel it into like SAA and bullshit like that. Yeah. And now we're in recession. We junk status. And oh, but what, Praveen's still there. Oh, yeah, but he'll clean it up. Yeah. Up. Uh, yeah, it sounds exactly the same. Um, and only there was a, a poll earlier this year in Brazil. Only 8% of Brazilians said Brazil's actually, I mean, democracy is a good idea. I think uh, at the time, actually, there, uh, I think uh, Temer is the, was the former president or he was the current president in given Bolsonaro will be the new one, but um, he had a 6%. Um, approval rating, six percent. Which, wow. uh, just to give you context, That's no one in the world <laughs> has has yeah, no one in the world has uh, amongst world leaders, amongst sort of G twenty countries, has a lower um, rating. Which uh, seems to indicate that the Brazilian people just really dislike their politicians yeah, because you know Trump has a forty seven percent rating. To give you uh, some context, and, and keeps increasing, and and um, Macron, Macron, Macron's around thirty percent. May's around forty five percent. Putin, if you can trust the things, is around sixty percent. The, the point, the point really is, I find all of these populist polls hilarious because um, po- apparently Trump's a populist, but then when they poll him, he's not a populist. And Obama had fifty five percent, so that's better, yeah. but also not populist. It's, it's like make up your minds, people. Um, but. Look, I, I think that Bolsonaro is going to swing Brazil to the right, obviously. They're calling him far right. I, I think actions matter more than words. And I think Absolutely. saying that he's far right uh, before the guy has done anything is probably a push. 
Um, when he starts actively um, acting against minority groups, then I will agree with uh, your your statement that he's far right and authoritarian. Absolutely. Um, but until he does that, if he turns around and goes, we're all equal, so you're not getting a leg up. Nobody's getting a leg up. You're all equal. Uh, if he does something like that, um, then I'm sorry. That's uh, that's not far right. Yeah, that's fine. Like, I don't care what people say half the time. Um, I really don't. Actions speak well, I mean, Cyril Ramaphosa was this past uh, week was saying uh, things like, uh, it, it is enough with white monopoly capital. Now all entrepreneurs are heroes. Uh, like, dude, your party funded a PR campaign that invented white monopoly capital. Uh, so, you know, let's see. I don't care that he's, he's saying that entrepreneurs are heroes and he wants to pour investment. And he also said they'll never expropriate factories. Your words are meaningless, Cyril. Yeah. Meaningless. Let's see some actions, mate. Yeah. Okay, well, back to Brazil. So both of us yeah. are in agreement that wait and see. So far, it's for us, it's a positive development. Yeah, that is definitely. At least, at least an economically right-wing mm. uh, president. And and And, and – I need to say, in some respects, you've got to be careful on this, but socially right wing to some extent, because oh, yeah. there's a, there's a, there's, there are now emerging arguments to be made for some sort of social conservatism. So there was an interesting study released, I think two weeks ago, um, looked at happiness of married couples. People who had uh, been sexually liberal slept with, um, six to eight partners or more. Um, were less happy in their marriages than people who had not. So, um, I'm not one of, I'm not, I'm, I'm kind of in the middle. I didn't get married a virgin, but I also didn't sleep with tens of people. And, um, so kind of if you were on the one end, you were quite unhappy. And if you actually got married to your first sort of love, you were seem to, the, the study seems to suggest that you were more happy. I think these are very interesting. I'm not saying one study proves anything yeah. to a finality or that you want the state to. No, I don't want the state. marriage of, but, but I think these are social uh, things that are interesting to discuss. And certainly the left wing in the past has, you know, in the past 50 years or so has been very much about sort of the sexual revolution, for example, and that it all doesn't matter. And if you want to sleep with someone, go ahead and that'll make you happy. And the evidence seems to show that that doesn't make you happy necessarily. I mean, I don't care if it does or not. I think uh, the sexual revolution was, was great in some ways. Um, that it you know freed people from from the strange ideas about chastity and tradition and things like that, and now they're finding out they're not too happy. Oh well, I mean, it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's not it's not about it's I not about what you do. I just don't think the state should have any involvement in that sort of stuff. So Bolsonaro is against um, homosexuality being taught in in, but, in in schools, for example. I agree only in the extent that. Nothing like that should be taught in schools. Mm. It's, a, it's a parental duty or there's organizations that can do that on the parents' behalf. I don't know why public schools should should teach this sort of stuff to kids. Whether it's, whether it's heterosexuality yeah. or homosexuality or any sorts of sexuality, yeah. there's, there's, there's places I, I, for that. I think, I think, though, that the point I'm making is more about sort of culture. So this, the, we've now seen that culture really transcends the state. Um, and in – uh, you know, it, it, it transcends the state and then it kind of comes back and ends up manipulating what happens in the state in terms of who gets voted in, in terms of who's in power, um, what ideas are rejected and embraced. And so I think, I think that I agree with you. The state should not be dictating to people what they do, but I do think there's a general sort of cultural norm, um, that gets developed. Uh, you know, Hollywood, for example, seems to be having a major problem. I'm just, and I actually need to look into the numbers, but anecdotally I've noticed battling to find entertaining films, you know, just good old entertaining films. And I'm wondering if, uh, you know, new ones that have been made. And I'm just wondering if that's not got to do with every time they make a movie now, if they have to consider the political correct nature of, of the film. Can the good guy be white and the bad, bad guy be black or uh, can he have a normal um, family or, or does he have to, his wife be divorced from him and married to her female lover? Um, you know, like I, it just seems that there's, there's so much manipulation of that. And, and I think there's a lot of rejection of that amongst societies in general. The American society has rejected a lot of that. Yeah. And I, I mean, think well, the rise of Jordan Peterson explains most things. I would suspect he has a, a relatively conservative, he doesn't say he's Catholic, but I think he is. If you ask him what God is, he gives you a long answer. It doesn't make sense. <laughs> but I think he does. God is your highest hierarchy. Yeah, you know, there, there we go. Mm-hmm. And uh, and he's got you know millions of, of books sold. The best-selling book last year of, in 
the entire world. Uh, sending out. I think this year, actually. Was it this, it it's is, this yes, year? It's this year. Still 2018. Yeah. Um, and I mean, and between you and I, I think you've got very interesting ideas, but I don't find them brand new. Uh, he's, he's, he's retelling a lot of old things. He's using yeah. Jung, which is a very old uh, yeah. form of. And, and a lot of people disagree with as well. Yeah, and a lot of people disagree with it, but. And now he's risen love to be like those rocks of, of the intellectual web, um, for lack of a better word. And yeah, people don't find meanings in things they thought they would. Mm. Maybe in like sexual partners and things like that. So I think, yeah, there's a cultural shift to the right. And, um, yeah, because, because of a long, be a long term shift to the left. And I think, yeah. I think, uh, you know, this is where the centrists love to come in and go, yes, you see the, the far left doesn't work and the far right doesn't work. What you really need is to be in the middle. The extreme center. Yeah, the extreme which center. Which stands for nothing much. Yeah, a place I'm where you get hit by cars. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, so do we want to go to some questions? Because we well, did all, all, offer. we won't talk about is Gigaba's penis. No, no, I have um, no interest. I, really, I just don't care. I don't no. know why this is interesting. Not at all. I don't all. think he was hacked. I think he sent it to your mistress or yeah, someone. absolutely. And she's like, I had enough of you. Let me go send it to someone else or, or to the press. Yeah, he sent it to 10 people. Who knows? Yeah, like it's, Who knows? And I mean, I'm sorry. If I had that video. And I, I mean, it, it seems to, like the kind of thing you'd send to Atul. You know, if you were trying to get like a contract or something. I must admit, if I send a video like that to anyone, I would be mortified because it's so embarrassing. <laughs> like yeah. just, just that to think that that's enticing to Well, I haven't just, watched the video because I just I, I don't want that image in my head, but I've heard it described in I what heard, he says. That's what I'm saying. I've yeah. heard it described as well. But yeah, it's just just stop it. But anyway, a good check on I said this yesterday and I deleted it. A good check on political power is to have random phone leaks of each executive of person in the executive just randomly. So you yeah. don't know if it's you or not. <laughs> But you know that it'll be leaked, yeah. perhaps, or won't be leaked, perhaps, um, every every three months or so. So it'll be interesting to to see. So you're happy to trample on their privacy? They that phone was, you know, bought using my money. Can so. I just bring up more hypocrisy though? I do love the people in South Africa who are saying things like, and this is most of them going, you know what? Our the sex life of Malusi Gigaba as a minister in the in the government is none of our business really because his sex life has nothing to do with him running the country um, or part of the country. Yet these are the same people who were so interested in Trump banging Stormy Daniels in 2006. Well, are they like the um, same person? Don't well, well, there are some people certainly that have shown interest in, 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 in the one and not the other. I just – I just want to show consistency is, is that, is that, um, when people find their, uh, you, you know, when it fulfills their bias, um, then, well, yeah, they, then they are that very, then they are well. very interested. And that happens as well. I'm just concerned because he sent 500,000 rand in cash to his girlfriend in the United States. Um, and everyone's forgotten about that story. Well, I'm more concerned that he worked with the Guptas to give them citizenship no, and no, then let them run the country. Life. Yeah. He gave a sex life. The big story is he gave his girlfriend 500,000 rand cash. Yeah. Using diplomatic channels, like where do you get that money from as a civil yes, servant? And that's you shouldn't be using salary. diplomatic channels to do that anyway. Yeah, exactly. So that's cool. the only interesting part about his sex life. Mm. Good. So can we move on? Because completely disinterest, disinteresting. We've got some questions, and you wanted to chat to me about last week. I so we that first. Okay, let's do it first. So last week we had Kate Wilkinson of where did she work? Africa Jack. Africa Jack. Um, Let's come closer to the mic. She, she, gave us, she gave us some nice stationery. It's a bit cheap, medical board, but it's fine. And <laughs> um, You're a dickhead. Eh? That is. <laughs> yeah, she's like, it's, it's nice. Yes, cardboard. but it's that recycled stuff and it's meant to make you feel like, you know, you're doing something for the planet. Yes? Yeah. Yes. George um, Soros approved. I think that she put up very good arguments against your positions. Okay. Um, and that I think you were a little bit unprepared. For how well prepared she was, if that makes sense. Okay. She wasn't just a hack that you could just steamroll over. She rebutted your questions quite well. And I think that um, it could be a lesson for both of us. Okay. To so, be better prepared. So, so, what is my position? That well, she... Your position was that Africa Check didn't check Aramoto Lady on. on no, that was one, on that was ideology. one point uh, well, in, in, a, point. in an hour and 20 minutes. And she says, we don't check ideology, we check. We check claims, and we have checked Mozzoletti on on these four or five things, and he had no answer to that. No, she and said that, was... that they had checked Mozzoletti on one thing. Um, as it happens, um, the the truth is that they have not checked Mozzoletti uh, on plenty of other claims. Um, it was a point trying to show that uh, 
when when the narrative suits them, um, they check what they want to check. No she still didn't answer that question. She, she no dodged it. She dodged. Well, Erin Motswaledi has said many things over seven, eight. No, it's longer now. 2009, I think. So he's over nine years of being the health minister. He said many, many things. Um, and she brought up one instance of them having checked Motswaledi. Great. Um, so, and you in said, a one hour, 20 never. minute. So if she steamrolls me on one point and, Frankly, the biggest conversation in that discussion was on, on, on land. So let's, let's talk about what my position was there, which happens to be the position of many people. So I take the Ernst Roots position. I take the Afri Forum position. I take many people we've had on the show. Franz Cronier's position, most likely. Um, I take their position on farm murders. And yeah. she, she chooses to take what she believes is a factual position. And I can't actually, um, fully disagree that on base facts she's correct and I, let me clarify that so my position is there's a farm murder problem um, in this country and we need to deal with that farm murder problem and it is clearly a greater problem than other issues that exist in the country for example there's homicide generally that's a big problem and a bigger problem than that is a subgroup of farmers being murdered all right so I take that position Mm-hmm. She looks at it and goes, well, I've taken all of the data, she claims. She's taken all of the data in her fact sheet, and she has summarized all of the data, and we just don't know. We just don't know if there's a problem. No, we can't determine the rate of murder for farmers. So we don't know if there's a farm murder problem. That was what she said. We don't yeah. know if there's a unless, farm murder unless problem. Unless there's better evidence that comes to mind. Yes. Sure. And the, the problem, the problem mm-hmm. is, is that she is taking fact without any context. Ooh, but I thought uh, facts don't care about your feelings, John. It's not about feelings. It's about context. What's the context? The context is that in the Rwandan genocide that we also didn't know there was a problem until 800,000 had been killed. I, I don't see the connection. No, Ramon, we don't know the, we don't always know the facts, the exact numbers. She won't settle on a definition. When you say to her, okay, all farms, no, I don't like their definition. Commercial farms, oh, we don't have those numbers. Okay, just, um, the farms that AfriForum says, no, AfriForum includes other figures. So the, the, the problem is, is she will not settle on a definition. She moves goalposts. All right. Which I said in the, I, I said in the, no, in the, in the podcast. I disagree with you. I think she just wants to know the actual number. So, and so, so far she hasn't come up. So with as far as I haven't been able to come up with. So, so here's the thing. And all those that and on uh, to to steal man her, all those that claim they have come up with the number, she can't uh, replicate the way they've done it. So you will never be able to checker, get down on, to an exact a, number. Hold on, as a fact checker, I think she's doing the responsible thing and no. saying. I've tried all these things. Nothing works. I don't know as yet. Okay. So let me explain to you how statistics work. Okay. No, no, no. We don't need a lecture. No, you do need a bit of a lecture. No, we don't need a lecture. Every single statistic is not an exact number. We do not know that 6 million exact Jews died in the Holocaust. We know it was roughly 6 million. We do not say that it's a lie because it was 6,132,578 or it was 5,978,243. We don't do that. When we do medical testing, we know that a medical test, for example, for HIV will not be 100% accurate in terms of sensitivity and specificity in telling you that you have HIV. It doesn't mean we throw the test out and it doesn't mean we don't use it. We have enough data she says we don't have enough data to say that there's a problem. We have enough data because in stats we use things called confidence intervals where we say how confident we are of our information and then we come to a conclusion that it's probably correct. All right? We do the same thing with medical experiments. We do this all the time with statistics. Statistics are never exact. Right. Or well, not never. What Let me you, take that back, but almost never. I don't know what you want to do because I think – uh, this is a great challenge to Afri Forum mm-hmm. and the Transvaal uh, Agricultural Union and Russell and Bertie to actually come up with better things, with better ways to do it. That's and fine. It, and Africa, but it's not Africa Jack's duty to say, uh, there's a range or something. No, there, there's a claim. They can't, they can't check the facts. They can't fact check it properly. Mm-hmm. So they say we can't fact check it properly until new evidence comes to light. I think there's nothing wrong with that. That's fine. That. And Africa Jack can, can stand there and say, we don't know if there's a problem. And I'm going to stand and continue saying, I believe there's a problem and I think there's enough data. And she can carry on saying there's not enough data. Therefore, you cannot say there's a problem. And she can carry on doing she that. And I can be concerned. She, she said, said personally, she said, Personally, she thought there was a problem, but she exactly. said there's no evidence, basically. There's no fact. And well, the moment there and, isn't. And the, I don't, but I don't know why you take this to mean like there's no problem whatsoever. Because, because – like, Yeah, just here, here's, a, here's a purple cow right here in front of you. 
You'd be like, no, there isn't. No, but of course there is. No, there isn't. Of course there is. It doesn't matter at the end of the day. It does matter. It of course it matter. matters. Of course not. Not It's one organization. Many others R- do it. And that was my whole point about the general about the general sense is that it's one organization. She was turning around and going, well, it doesn't matter who our funders are because we're good oh, people. Now you're changing. Oh, no, no, hold changing. on. No, 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 you're changing the topic. Hold on. That was part of the whole discussion. You said you wanted to discuss it. No, well, we were talking about farm murders now, so – Okay, so what is, more do you want to discuss on Farm Murders? For every forum and Russell and Betsy. And Russell said so himself on Twitter if you read his tweet. He that says, this is great conversation, very important. My study will be out next year with every linked, you know, with every forum. And then hopefully it'll be bulletproof. And I mean, that's the perfect way to respond. But to assume that there's malice in saying that we can't know for sure, there isn't. I mean, uh, I don't know why you assume that there's malice. Why do I assume there's malice? By a left wing organization. Oh, there you go. So you don't think they're a left-wing organization? They probably are, but I, I mean, is AfriForum a right-wing organization? Oh well, no, they're more classic liberal in some ways. Do you agree that that would fall currently on a if you, someone was classifying Africa spectrum? To gain by saying it's impossible to tell. I think they generally think it's, it's impossible to tell. What do just they have to gain? Left, well, this is what because, I said about fact-checking just organizations. Because left-wing doesn't the show. make them wrong all the time. The bottom line is, what do they have to gain? I think that fact-checking organizations are going to be used as a very useful tool to undermine news sources that you don't agree with and to buy time to build narrative. Okay, so like they've been doing for a hundred years. What That's do you mean? New. Narrative, building narratives, undermining, undermining truth. And yeah, but but, but but in the age of okay. in the age of the internet, in the age of twenty four seven news, in the age of all of that, fact checking organisations are going to be used, uh, and depends on by who, but they're going to be used to set to 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 dispense with ideas and um, narratives you don't like, give time to build other narratives. Simple as that. And I think that Africa Checks, whether they individually believe they're part of that, whether they are part of that. All I want to know, Jonathan, can you prove that? Can I prove what? What you just said. Can I prove that? they'll be used to push a narrative. Can you prove it? Yes. Oh. They're funders. (laughs) Their funders aren't funding them to be neutral bodies in the world and do nothing. People don't give money to things just out of out of out of free will, like like uh, we, uh, for nothing to happen, so for nothing philanth- to come so of it. Philanthropy doesn't exist. Philanthropy might exist, but it, it, of course, if philanthropy exists. But the point is, is if you give food to children who are starving, then your 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 wish is for those children to to not be starving anymore. Yeah. If you give money to Africa, check. I don't know. We don't know really what the will is. But if we look exactly. at the if, hold we on, don't know. hold on. If we look at the history of people who are funding them, who have been funding organisations for decades, and those organisations all fall on one side of a political spectrum, and those people have made statements themselves, which all support certain causes, then it seems quite obvious what they'd want the outcome to be. But Ramon. Soros funds a lot of, of liberal. Not just talking about Soros, but anyway, organisations around Europe, a lot of liberal think tanks. Are sure, of course he does. I mean, you can't say. I don't know. I don't know. I think. I think basically her claim was we don't know yet until there's better evidence. I think it's a solid claim, and for you to have this conspiracy. What do you about do funding, with that claim? What do you do well, with nothing. that claim? I, I take it I, now. I go to everyone and say, "Listen, they say this. You said this. Cool. Is there a way to reconcile these two positions?" So I mean, if government not, shouldn't react surely be in the meantime because be because what we've got government will never fucking react. Okay, Jonathan. but 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 let's say they wanted to. Let's say they wanted to. But they and won't. now we've got two opposing organisations saying opposite things. One says there's a major problem here, the stats. Other says there isn't really a problem because we can't prove it. And there are no stats, right? Okay. So we've got two competing organizations saying opposite things, yeah. right? And government wants to act, but seems reasonable that government wouldn't act until they have exact data. Then it's, then it's up to the people, the activists, to fight for their positions and make them the most dominant position in the cool. country. Cool. Then consider me an activist fighting for that position. There we go. But he's do it on like… Well, I said I, I always say I'm biased. So what, what, what do you want? No, but you're biased against… Well… Kate, I'm biased against facts in, without no, context. You're no, correct. Uh, you, you bias against Kate in this regard on a conspiracy that you can't really prove. I understand what you're saying, but without proof, it remains a conspiracy. Um, uh, I disagree, and I think we can leave it there. Oh, why? Because I got you with the zinger. No. Now you can't answer. No, because you're saying I'm a conspiracy theorist, and I'm not going to go down the I conspiracy you, theorist rabbit hole. I say you have a conspiracy, and you can't prove that conspiracy. That's what I'm saying. Okay, sure. George Soros loves right-wing causes as much as he loves left-wing causes. He has no point in funding it. Uh, Pierre Omidyar, same story. Loves Hamas, loves Africa Czech, loves Afriforum just as much. Sure, he wants the same things to happen from all of them. Have you ever watched the movie called Lord of War? Hmm? Yeah, many times. It's a fantastic movie. Everyone should watch it. Hmm. Nick Cage's character goes to a a big 
uh, arms dealer. And he says, you know, I don't understand. You funded Iraq and Iran while they were fighting. And he says, have you ever thought about uh, me wanting both of them to lose? Ramon, that's also, now you're going into conspiracy. Maybe he wants both of them to lose. Yeah, but, but at least I acknowledge it's a conspiracy. But, but, but the, the, the thing we is… We don't is, know what people think when they fund something, Jonathan. You can't go into someone's mind and, and pick correct. out their intention. You're correct. So without any evidence, your conspiracy is bullshit. So I think you should take it on the facts that Africa Check are trying to fact check a farm murder ratio. They can't find it based on the available evidence at hand. And I'm not saying we should trust them forevermore. I'm just saying it makes logical sense that their argument is sound. Now it's up to other people who want to push um, farm murders into the na- national dialogue to find better sources and better evidence to counteract Africa Check. I mean, that's the point of an open and free society. But you don't. I'm not blame, trying to stop Africa no, Check doing don't their job. No, but you Africa Check for doing their job. No, I just uh, understand Africa Check's bias, and you don't. You refuse to accept that they might have a bias. You can't know that by meeting one of their re- head researchers. I actually think she's probably the least biased person I've ever met from Africa have Check. Have you met all of them? Nope. There we go. Yeah. Point proven. When, what's the point, Bruno? Uh, at least, at least, you know, when we say the ANC is funding the NDR or trying to implement it, there's like decades of precedent and research and evidence for that. You can't say, but, the, but you don't know all the Afri- all the ANC members. So yeah, then, so then, same point, same constitution, same same point will apply, right? No, I know, but if you look at their official policy positions, which is officially the party's position, yeah. the NDR is right full, they right and center. Which is far more evidence than you have for Soros funding some conspiracy to debunk farm murders. It's not. Ah, no, Ramon, that is a straw man right there. I never said Soros is funding a conspiracy to debunk farm murders. Don't call me a straw man. <laughs> that's not what I said. And that's why I wanted to move from the point because I've made what I think is my case very clear. Those people who agree with me will agree and those who don't, don't. I don't care. Like, this is the whole point. Last week, you wanted to come across as the neutral guy on the show. Like, I it's funny because you started off saying I was the Dave Rubin and you ended up being the Dave Rubin. Well, but, because you've but, made points. But, which is fine. Like, like, I don't care. I don't know. In, in a, in a sh- okay, interview. Ramon, that's fine. You think the points lack credibility. There are other people who agree with you and there's other people who don't. All right. There was a long discussion. say there's climate change. There was a long discussion. There's a long discussion on our Facebook group in which people agreed with you and where you stand on this and there were people who agreed with me and where I stand on this. And let's leave it at that. People can make up their own really? minds. Don't you like fighting? Hey? Don't you like fighting? Yes, but we've done it for about 20 minutes on the show now and right. I want to get to the well, questions. consider yourself sufficiently rebuked. Okay. Excellent. So, is it, don't make the rest of the interview awkward. I mean, the podcast <laughs> awkward, please. Ronaldo actually wants to know who's the most Ronaldo. interesting Ronaldo. Yeah, uh, the Ronaldo, Ronaldo, the, the, the radical centrist. Oh, okay, that, yes, yes. The guy who's the, the guy and who wants to lock up racists. Yes, I, I don't know how centrist either of those positions mm, are. Absolutely. <laughs> what, is, what is the most interesting guess we've had? Well, you've got an easy answer here, and I think I agree with you for the most part. Well, I think it's a combination. I think in terms of learning about South Africa, uh, France, France Grenier, Anschwitz. Um, Ian Cameron and Moletti and Becky were, they, they managed to make my mind up about what the great political currents are. So, but France, probably the first one, France Grenier by far. Like, you, like, you, you know, when you have light bulb moments, but imagine having one every five minutes in an hour, like everything just changes. That's how I feel when France is in the studio. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think I would have given France as my answer as well. Um, Moletti and Becky was good. I just found him, he's quite rehearsed. Like, he knows what his points are. Excuse me. He knows what his points are. Um, you know, he's, he's, he's repeated it many times and he's not giving us anything new on the show. Whereas someone like France, you do feel like you're getting something new, um, from him or yeah. you might not have heard that before. So, and we've had him on several times, but every time he has been great. Um, so I, I'd probably settle on France as well. Uh, look, they've, they've been, some unexpected guys as well. Um, and I'm going to forget his name, but, uh, the, um, uh, is he a pastor? Uh, the minister, um, uh, uh, Townsend? no, the uh, Christian guy, um, oh, had um, lots of Christians on the show, but, um, Ian, we, we got into a short as Ian. Yes. Ian, you see, you also going to forget his name. Uh, and he's my friend. Um, yeah. But, um, and we even got in, I want to have Ian him back Benson. on the, Ian Benson, Professor Ian Benson. I, I want to have him back on the show because we got into an interesting discussion on abortion actually towards the end of that podcast, which was he presented a, an argument I'd never heard before. Right. 
um, which I found, which was really mind-bending, you know, when you, you kind of know how you're going to argue abortion and then someone comes with something completely left left the field yeah. um, and you're just like, wow, okay, I never thought about it, about it like that. So, but I, mean, let, I mean, let's be honest. Every guest, irrespective of how good or bad the podcast, every guest has like some sort of perspective that we didn't think of. Like yeah, most, sure. I find myself going home after each recording, I'm like, geez, I never thought about it that way. For like 90% of Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's, there's a couple of guests that, yeah. that, that haven't done much. Yeah. Um, but, but I mean, Sikhle, for example. Sikhle was great. I mean, we, we want to have him back on. Sikhle, for frick's sake, come on the show. Um, but um, we want to have Sikhle back on the show. Um, and, you know, he was, I think, our fourth episode or something like that, yep. more than two years ago. And great show, great episodes, great, like. Told you what socialism is. Yeah, great thinker. You know, if you ever want to rebuke someone on, uh, the, 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 the states in this, this, the, um, Nordic states are, are socialist, just listen to that. Just listen to that episode. So yeah. I, I do think, I mean, look. With regards to last week, Kate, you know, I, I don't, I don't take nothing she said and I, I don't, um, I, I, I get her point around, around the facts. It's, it's not, it's not that I take nothing of what she said and I don't think that she had valid, valid, valid arguments. Um, and it's not, the, and I went home and I did think about that podcast a lot. Uh, and I, the reason I asked, for example, on the Facebook group for comment is because I did want to hear what people thought and how they took it. Uh, and I appreciate the, the criticism, the constructive criticism. So, yeah. you know, I think we, I think every guest is, is, is provoking. Yeah. Except for Ronaldo. Fuck that guy. <laughs> but Ronaldo asked another question. Um, who has refused to be on the show? Oh, where did we start? Yeah. Ronaldo, we, this is had, a long list. We've had 200 shows, I think, roughly. Uh, no, it's More. about 140 or no, somewhere around right. there. I think, I think the list of not, of who doesn't come on the show is longer than that. Everyone from the EFF, absolutely everyone. Yeah. Even we, we've invited about five. Many them. Daily Maverick com- columnists. Yep. Uh, Many people in the DA. Yeah. Herman Mashaba, we even got to pretty much directly, not with him, but an email went to him and then it was sent off to his PAs and his people. Um, we had direct communication with them for a couple of weeks and then they just bailed, essentially. Um, so Herman won't come on the show, it would seem. Difficult to get anyone in the ANC, like, like someone who's of, of, yeah. Caliber. We've, so in, we've invited. We, we did, we haven't in the past year or so, but before yeah. that, we in, tried to invite ANC MECs, um, ANC mayors, um, you know, asked once. um, Box Tao was invited. Um, I think that was when he was still mayor. Yeah. Um, so we, we, we've tried, we've tried to have all these people on the show. Um, a lot of journalists as well. Um, yeah, shit load of I mean, Nick Bauer, for example, has been very critical of the Eusebius show. Receivers Makaiser blocked us and Canadians, blocked any channels. Conrad Koch doesn't want to come on. Yeah. Um, so, and, and to be fair, I don't know if I would really care if they changed their minds and to come on. Because what I found, and with all due respect to politicians who've been on the show before, mm-hmm. it's very difficult no. to have an interesting conversation with a politician on a podcast. Yeah. Because I think that the medium is just very different for what they're used to and they sort of refuse to open up. Yeah. They, they don't relax. We've, we've had, I think Cachalia was very good. Khaleb Kachalia. Yeah, Ronaldo yeah. was very good uh, when he's right, which is not But I, But I think Khaleb Kachalia being as open as he was is, is you can see, you can almost draw a direct line between Khaleb wearing his colors on his sleeve right. and him not winning, for example, the, um, the provincial, uh, position, you no, know, perhaps, for the yeah. next election, he's, yeah. he's, 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 it's Solly who, who, who ended up being in that position, which I don't really understand. You leave Solly in Pretoria, you leave, um, Herman in, in Joburg, and then you let Khaleb try for the provincial post. What's the big deal? Um, from every discussions we've had with other people, Khaleb seems to be incredibly competent and, and, and knowledgeable and, and, and liberal. But he's a fighter. Um, but he's a fighter. And and he, he says it like he is, and he's not there to care about your feelings um, when he says certain things. And I think the DA has become an incredibly politically correct party. And so, Quite. yeah. So, yeah, politicians, I agree with you. Having politicians on the show, we always go, oh, you know, we've got Helen on the show or we've got Gwen on the show. Or, you know, we've got a, a big politician on the show. And then we have them and we walk out and we're like, ah. Oh, a bit disappointing because they, they they'll tell you so much, but they just won't go that extra sort of yeah, bit. Yeah, it's, it's very it's a very practice form of interview. Yeah, whereas this is not at all. And they and, and they look they're protecting their livelihoods sure. in, at the same time. They know that 
they, there's certain things they can say and there's certain things they can't say because I suppose in politics in five years time, someone can dig something up and go, but you said X. Uh, so I get that, but it doesn't make for as interesting podcasts when you really get people going, this is what I truly as a person believe True. regardless of my affiliations. Yeah. Yeah. So just last question from him. Uh, who's the most toxic person in South Africa? Well, I think it's obvious. It's uh, Julius Malema. I think he does so on purpose. Um, I think it's good politicking on his side to be as toxic as possible, create yeah. a binary. Um, the, the only, the only um, sort of challenger, and it's a bit kind of, you wouldn't consider it, but I might consider someone like Rob Davies to be as toxic. Now, he, he's not in, you, you never hear about Rob well, Davies, and you only way. see him wearing um, badly tailored suits. Tailored. Um, <laughs> That's off the rack of comments. Okay. Nothing wrong with comments, by the way, but Jesus, those shoes. Um, but you must understand that Rob Davies, if you go and read um, the ANC's uh, policies and the, the, the sort of inter-party literature, uh, Rob Davies is, is authoring a lot of that stuff. And you are going to battle to find any major differences between that stuff and the stuff coming out of the Soviet Union in the 1970s. Uh, and so – Julius Malema, certainly for the culture, for the general discussion that we have uh, as a nation, is probably, not probably, is the most toxic. But the ANC is in power. And Rob Davies is literally writing their next move right. and all the, the time. And the worst form of communist. It's mm. him, Ibrahim Patel, and Pravin Gordon. They're the worst sort of communists because they're not corrupt. Yes, they're competent communists. And it, it, it is the hell out of me <laughs> that these people go home on a Friday night and drink water and eat white bread and just pour over policy documents and, and fiddle around with words on a page. And that's what gets them off. Um, like Gigaba in Gigaba's video. Um, and that's the worst form because they seem competent and they are competent, but they are competent in terrible ways. So yeah. they never grab the limelight except when they're under attack. Well, well you can see Pravin now. He's been delegated to the, to the SOEs and he's appointed competent boards. And so all that's going to happen is, uh, you know, state-owned enterprises are a bad idea, yeah. um, especially the ones where there's um, enforced monopolies like ESCOM. And so all that's going to happen is they will get it functioning and running, but it'll be only as good as a state-owned enterprise and a monopoly ever can be. No, no, no. We need to go to a third, a third level here. The SOEs need to be competent and the civil service needs to be competent so that the NDR can carry on. That's the important part. That's why… SAA still exists for some reason. It makes no sense in any other way other than ideologically. Well, and egotistically. I think there's right. ego. I think there's no, a lot of ego. Ideologically, there. like who said it? Uh, uh, Gareth Anselin. If you sell SAA, it's like selling part of your wall yes, of your yes, house. Yeah. Like, what's the point? You take away a wall and you've only got three walls left. It's the ideology of the party. It's the only reason why it makes sense in, in that way. That if you have competent SOEs, a competent civil service, you mm. can be on the road to socialism in a lot more effective manner. Um, so yeah, we those just are, have more control. Yeah, yeah. So, All right, good. Next. Are there any any parties that um, most closely fit your ideals? No, I, I, and and I, what worries me is that is that. Uh, sorry, I'm answering the question. You can, you can come in just yeah, now. What worries me is the, the, how much parties are moving away from my positions, or perhaps I'm moving away from them. You can argue that too. But you've always been a crusty Zionist. I, I feel like the I feel like the DA has has, has moved um, left away from our policies. Um, the problem with COPE, which I know a lot of people are starting to like, is if you listen to the Patreon questions that we did with uh, Musira Lakota, um, and basically I just shot the questions off at him. I didn't argue with him at yeah. all. Um, and he's a statist. He, he believes in the capable state. And so while I like Masiwa Lakota's positions on non-racialism and I like his positions uh, on certain liberal aspects, for example, property rights, um, he still believes that the state ultimately is there, is going to solve problems and most worriedly social problems. Yeah. Um, and, and so that, that's, a, that's an issue for me because it's the same problem with the DA, the DA moving towards, um, sort of left wing socialism, uh, you know, what they now call, um, the, the social democrats, uh, because that's now the popular way to call yourself a socialist. Unless you speak to them, they say, no, we haven't changed at all. We just have debates. Yes, we have debate party. within the party and it's good to have different voices, yada, yada, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> um, 
the problem is that's unconvincing and 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 no so i'm not i'm not convinced by any of the parties that are currently available to me ramon uh, I know zero, but it has been for like thirty years. <laughs> yes, you, you're 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 a non-voter. You're you're a you're an NVC, a uh, non-voting and, character. Yeah, I'm actually I'm literally <laughs> for the first time part of the majority because I think the majority of people don't vote in this country. Okay, those, yeah, or, of, or, of the whole of the, population, of the whole population, not, not of the, the voting. Election, yeah, yeah. Of the voting I think sixty percent votes roughly in the election, depending on the election. Yeah, but some some are yeah. We, we still vote quite a lot. In most countries, it's under fifty percent mm. that votes. Mm. Here, we still like over. 55. Except it's Australia, where they you have to vote yeah, by law. What, what a great democracy! You have freedom <laughs> to choose as long as we force you to choose someone. Well, you can spoil your votes. I suppose there's that. Just draw a giant penis on it. Basically, um, is Cyril playing four D chess, dude? Cyril's not even playing one D chess. I just don't. I just don't so see it. I was uh, I was at work the other day, and and there were some people in theatre um, with me who were. Doctors as well, very, very clever guys. And um, they all think he's playing 4D chess. So their, their 4D chess is that what he's doing is he's appeasing um, all the sort of factions. And he's got a real threat from Zuma and his faction essentially because KZN is such a huge grouping within the ANC now and, and Northwest. And that what he's going to do is after 2019, then he's going to consolidate power. And I was like – that's never going to happen. Like if he wants it, the only way he gets to, cons- he gets to consolidate power and somehow swing whichever way he wants to swing is if he literally fires every military general and SAP general that doesn't see his point of view and goes almost benevolent dictator. Or That's, just imprison half the NEC. Yeah. Well, you got to first get the protection around you. Yeah. And then you offer them jail or a bullet. That's, that's, that's the only way Cyril swings any way he wants to inverted commas swing. Um, obviously a left would swing is a lot easier because that's where the ANC is going. I think it's far more believable that he's following the ANC's footsteps, which they have been going along for the past 20 years and which they wrote about for the past 60 years, then that he's somehow going to become Milton Friedman um, (laughs) after 2019. (laughs) And he, you know, you you just need to, he appoints Tito Mbaweni. You need to see who Tito Mbaweni refers to. Even when Tito Mbaweni says you need to read broadly, he doesn't talk about Hayek and Friedman. He talks about reading um, Karl, Marx. Karl Marx and he talks about, um, I must think, Rousseau. And he talks about, you know, he talks about those sort of people, which we know leads to a certain ideology. And, yeah, 40, no way, as Ramon says, <laughs> not even 1D. I, don't, I, don't, I just don't see 1D at all. Um, no, I think even if he does consolidate power, it's it's for the wrong reasons. Um, I mean, he still hasn't made any decisions for the MPA, head of the MPA, after after three months or whatever it is the court gave him. Um, so, I mean, I, I, listened, I spoke to a friend in the US. He lived here until about two years ago. And he says, listen, here's the, here's the, the problem. We have to give, and I'm going to butcher his words, but we have to give him the benefit of the doubt because with arguably this is the only election where you don't want the ANC to lose support. Because if Zuma, if Cyril is what we think he is, the so-called great reformer, he'll need as much support as possible to carry out that mandate for reform. And yeah. you can only do that with like 60% or whatever the case might be. And I was like, the risk is just far too high that that's, that we give him too much support f- for socialism. Yeah. Um, I know that this is, sounds like dog whistling and all that, but it's the ANC policy of the past like 60 years. Like, if you want to fight me on that, please do. Cause I don't see any other, Way. Oh, I mean, let, let's see them do something that signals some real change. Let's see them right. do something. If they give up SAA as an example, then that would be that at least that, that would, won't be enough for me. That would be at least a show of. I think that would be a big show, given you know Gareth von Onselin's description. I think that would be a big show of there's actual will for change here. Um, would it would it be the be all and end all? Obviously not. Yeah, but mean, even if they fire thirty thousand workers from ESCOM, it still won't be enough. The problem is not the workers. The problem is ESCOM. The mm. problem is not uh, the amount of trains that are too big for the railway track. It's that PRASA exists mm. as a, as a state function. These this should be municipal functions at the best, or provincial at worst. Yeah. And uh, the fact that it's still a, a national function to run trains, for God's sake, is is mind blowing. So. That's small stuff. It, it's a, I see the selling or closing down of SA as a small concession to buy time. 
that's all I see it. Firing 30,000 workers, I don't think they'll do it with the unions, but if they do, it's a concession to buy time to fully implement the NDR later on. I don't, unless I see a radical reform in terms of destroying labor laws yeah. or reforming that, that then that would be an indication for me that, okay, something's happening. Mm. Just, just tinkering with SOEs is just not, not going to do it for me at all. So no, no 40 chess, not even one D chess. <laughs> Uh, Brazil, we spoke about him. Um, oh, oh, yes, the new Firearms Control Act amendment uh, bill. Uh, self-defense self is defense. not a reason to own a firearm. Uh, I don't know what you do. You just stir your uh, your pasta with your firearm. Say, that's what it's for. Land, right? And then I'll leave you alone. That's the key. That's the safe word. Is that the, sa the safe phrase? Safe words. Um, no, from our sources are saying that Minister Tsele is furious yes. about this. That. Uh, He's furious months, about what? Eight months before an election, the, the key intention of the ANC is coming to light in a leaked parliamentary. Oh, party. so he's crossed that it came out. Yeah. Oh, okay. I mean, but he does want it to, to happen because yeah, he said before yeah, that no, no, this no, is no, his vibe. But this is very embarrassing for them because they say, no, it's about safety. Uh, you know, gun control is about safety. We don't want people shooting each other. That's our job. Um, and then this leaks out. And then I must admit, gun owners in South Africa, if you're a gun owner or not a gun owner, but you care about guns, Gun Owners SA, of which Gideon, our previous guest, is the vice chairman, yes. they took that and they were in most newspapers and radio stations that week. And they did a fantastic job of saying, of just shitting all over this yeah. paper. I, 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 it's interesting because it's another, in my opinion, miscalculation by the government. Um, I don't think they realize how cross-cultural, multiracial, the issue of gun ownership is. Yeah. Um, any gun show. Even more than land. So, oh, you yeah, know, the far. government assumes land, ooh, most of the white people, which is not really true. But at least there is some split in terms of race there. In terms of guns, everyone believes in – South Africa is quite big on self-protection, yeah. and um, it doesn't split according to, oh, yeah, farmers like guns and – Black urban people don't bullshit across all race groups. Um, gun ownership is is a popular idea. Yeah, yeah. Go to any gun show, like a proper gun show with ranges where you can test guns and all that. It's very, very multicultural. If yes. you love that term, yeah. That's the most. Um, yeah, a lot of diverse people there. The, the the best shooter in the country is like a black woman for for rifle and for pistol. It's a black guy uh, called Gugu. I think I met him once. Um, so yeah, I think this will really hurt them if they want to push ahead with us because their own constituency likes guns quite a lot. Yeah, and they're just fucking with them. Obviously, they want to remove guns. They want to take your shit. You can't shoot. Them. Yes, that's obvious. And you can't form some sort of army against them due to the NDR. Yeah. Like once again, all this evidence for the NDR, and then Cyril says, "Oh, but entrepreneurs are great." Yes, forty uh, chess. Yeah, yeah. I'd rather look look at what's in front of you. People. I'd rather listen look to the at what's in front of you. Right. What's next? So, a general question about culture. Um, okay, it's a very Simon. I'm sorry, it's a very long question. Um, Damn you, Simon! And for good books about what I'm about culture generally, there's a new, brand new one came out on Thursday. That I'm busy. The one on nationalism, national populism, the revolt against uh, liberal democracy by two British political scientists, and it is really great. Key thing: this was years and years in the making. There's not one reason for it happening, uh, but there's a general culture of a lack of connection between elected officials and citizens that appoint them, especially yeah. especially in Europe and in the United States. Europe was in way ahead. UKIP came out in 2004 after five years of consecutive growth in the UK. So this is not about economics. It's mm. not about things like that. It's about a, a sort of vested interest in identity and nationalism. Mm. That has been missing for, for the past 30, 40, 60, 50 years. So that's a fantastic book. So just look for Matthew Goodwin on, on the internet and you'll find it. It just came out last Thursday. I'm halfway through. It's phenomenal. Any books you're reading other than like textbooks? Playboy? <laughs> um, I'm just on cultural. I think the most, one of the most important ones of recent times is Douglas Murray's, uh, Strange Death of Europe. Uh, um, last year. Yeah. yeah very, good. very good book. Uh, that gives you a good sense on, 
immigration and why it matters. And, you know, it, it sort of cuts through the hysterical immigrants are taking our jobs, but also, um, is honest about the problems when you mix people into cultures who refuse to assimilate, essentially. Yeah. And a good point about that book is what sort of Europeans have lost a sense of, of, of being Europeans. Mm. They just don't care about their own cultures anymore. Mm. They've been weakened. Um, yeah. So that's why they would they would allow so many people to come in, and the inherent problems that come with that. It, it, I think it's also interesting. Uh, the, your book speaks to that. The Douglas Murray book speaks to that, um, with regards to um, uh, you know the recent comments Trump made about being a nationalist. Mm. Uh, you got to listen to those comments in context, uh, because out of context, of course, he's a Nazi. Um, but he he was basically pitting globalism against nationalism and saying globalism looks at the world and doesn't really care where any specific country comes out. Um, and that's what you see in the EU as an example. Uh, the EU came along and said, we're all going to use euros now and we don't really care what ends up happening to your home economy. And a lot of places, it, Italy for one example, really suffered as a result of that. Uh, and uh, nationalism now probably more meant as a patriotism, but nationalism as in caring about your country, caring about what your country represents, etc. Right, but more about caring about you having a choice in the direction your country your country's yeah. going. Well that's the populism argument, if I'm not mistaken, that book that you're reading tries to make. Well it's just saying populists want more democracy. Yes. And more referendums, yeah. more choices. Well if the average man, which is populism, is deciding what's happening at a government level, then that is, uh, to me, it just sounds like democracy. I don't know why we call it populism. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, look, I, we've discussed it before. Populism is a sort of now catch-all word for anything we don't like. Uh, we need to be careful. I mean, America is not a democracy as an example. America is a republic. And it, I think their model is probably a better model because there is a danger to the common man on the street deciding uh, everything um, down to the last uh, dotted I and cross T. Um, which is why America has the republic set up like they do and, and why the yeah. founding fathers did it that way. Yeah. So I just want to answer two or three more. Sure. We have to go. Yes. Uh, any chance of a, a national populist movement in South Africa popping up? Um, I'm just uh, signaling our guest. Um, uh, so, I, I, I mean, is the EFF, uh, you, you could, could you argue it's, an, it's a populist movement? Yeah, it's, is it a national one? Sure. I think the ANC is a populist movement, if I'm honest. In, in, in some ways, even though they are like the elites that have. <laughs> sure, sure. But the, you know, the person who votes for them, I think that's very much based on inverted commas populism. Um, that's why I don't, the word, for me, it has so little meaning in, in, in because it doesn't provide you any context. Well, I mean, the definition is ordinary people against the elites. Yes. That's the ordinary definition of the word. So I think, I think I just find that the elites are the populists. If that makes sense in this country. Yeah. Well, if it's right wing populism, I, I don't know. I think everyone dabbles into that a little bit. Politically, I don't know how much support there will be because I don't think, which links to the other question, will South Africa ever be a competitive economy in the global world? That will never happen while we have a democracy, in my opinion. Uh, that we will be competitive. Yeah. Or have like a right wing populist party because I don't, th because you must remember 70% 70, 70 of voters vote for socialism between the ANC and the EFF. So, so generally speaking. I've been thinking so, about this. Well, hold on. Yeah. Sure. Sure. Um, and I think you will need either like a massive campaign with billions of dollars to convince people that capitalism is cool mm. and that the rest of these ideas are cool. Or you'll need a sort of, in the mold of Deng or um, Kigame or other uh, Kagame and other people in South Korea that had one as well, where you have a former Marxist or former left-leaning person gets power and then just uses it to take the country by scruff his neck and say, listen, we're going economic growth. If you stand in my way, I'm going to jail you. Yeah. I think you'll need that in this country. I don't know if you can win it just through ideas in a democratic fashion. So, so I, I think – I think given what's happening in Brazil and I was thinking about it in a South African context and I, I, this is not 10 years, maybe not even 20 years, but there's a point of complete decay and misery that you get to in every country where if there, if there's, if there's an authoritarian government, you know, that is oppressing you through means of violence, then there's usually a violent uprising. If that doesn't happen and there's some sort of still mock democracy, you end up getting the Bolsonaro effect, the Trump effect. 
And I, I don't think it's out of the question for South Africa, but I think it's decades away. Yeah, we haven't suffered enough. Yeah, basically. It's, it's only, inverted commas, 24 years. Or, or, or if, you t- if, if you think about it, it's actually like close to 80 because nationalists and ANC don't differ too much. They just change the axioms on the race question. But it's been 80 years. I don't know if there's – is there a will from – Ordinary people for this to be like a world-renowned economy. Oh, I no. don't know. I don't know. I, I don't. I don't think so. I mean, I, really, just because of I engage with people and they so. I mean, most people don't even know what the NDR is, dude. Uh, you know, they they've got no sense of what the ANC is doing. Uh, Cyril says nice things on on camera, and and they all buy it. Um, you know. Uh, you know, Afri Forum are a far right wing group like News 24 says they are and the renegade reporter are just a bunch of alt-rightists and, you know, the, 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 a lot of people do live in that bubble and, and until everyone, that's why I say decades, until everyone is brought down to, uh, the worst possible level really, until you get close to that absolute socialism, that, that sort of communist uh, ideal. Um, and then people go, even the poor people turn around and go, hold on a second. I never wanted the rich people to be as poor as me. I wanted to be as rich as the rich people. Yeah. Um, and then everyone kind of looks at each other and goes, this has not worked. Like what we've been sold hasn't worked. It hasn't worked if we're poor. It hasn't worked if we were rich and now are poor. It's, it's failed for everyone. And when everyone kind of realizes that, and then they're willing to vote for a real risk. They're willing to take a chance on someone who might say dodgy things and who may even end up doing dodgy things, but what's worse than yeah. our collapsed economy and our poverty it. and our misery? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I don't, don't forget populists, the voters of populist movements are often more affluent than the ordinary mm. individual. Uh, just the last question. Um, yeah. how do we get this place educated? South Africa. South Africa. Everything's failing. The private, the, it will the never private work. sector. It will never work until you give parents the choice to decide where to send their children to school. And you completely let the state fund something but not manage it. That is the only way I see it happening. Yeah, I agree with that fully. And the only thing I'd add to that is when kids finish school, you cannot give anyone a leg up. So because at the moment we have – take someone who wants to do medicine. Um, a kid who is white knows to get into UCT, they need at least 90 something percent to enter medicine. And a kid who happens to have a black skin knows that he doesn't need to get more than 70 or something to that effect. Um, so the problem is, is that you're incentivizing one to work less and the other to work harder. And you, you're going to keep creating these abnormal social engineering splits amongst your population. Um, and, 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 and that's just going to perpetuate the problem forever. Indeed. Cannot disagree with you there. So, yeah, sorry, we run out of time. Uh, no more questions for this week, but thank you for posting them. Uh, as always, join us on Twitter, Facebook. Just look for Renegade Report. Right <laughs> and, but join our Renegade Report group. That's where the most activity takes place, where people call Jonathan. People say, I wanted to sleep with Kate because I was nice to her, which I found really rude. Ramon sliding into the DMs, apparently. Yeah, apparently, because I, <laughs> I just treated her like a human being. Yeah. Um, yeah. Who knew that was rape culture these days, treating people well. Absolutely. You were, you were catcalling her basically the whole show. <laughs> All the time. That's what was, go- what was going on. Thank you so much for listening and for watching. If you watched, uh, one camera angle for the moment. Big argument, but one camera angle for the moment. And uh, as always, we'll catch you next time. Cheers. This is cliffcentral.com.